Welcome everyone to Folklore Crime All Time Podcast. I am your host Jude and on tonight's episode we'll be discussing traveling back in time to take a closer look on one of the most notorious serial killers, Albert Fish, also known as the Grey Man, the werewolf of Wisteria and the Moon Maniac. Albert Fish was a notorious child molester, serial killer and a cannibal who confessed to several child murders soon after he was arrested. Before we dive into his early life and crimes, I would like to put a quick disclaimer that the following content is going to be extremely offensive. So in case you want to leave, this is your shot. But don't be shy. Tighten your seatbelt and enjoy this ride with me. So Fish. Fish was born on May 19, 1870, in Washington, D.C., to Randall and Ellen Fish. He was the youngest out of four children. His siblings were Annie Fish, Edwin Fish, and Walter Winchell Fish. As a child, Fish was troubled with mental illness, as were a number of his family members, while his father regularly experienced visual hallucinations. His father was an old man. He was 75 years old at the time of Fish's birth and died only when he was five years old. His mother, on the other hand, did not have the resources or the mental capacity to care for him or his other siblings and left them with a state of orphanage. It was there, it was there that he grew a passion for pain Albert's time in the orphanage sparked a dangerous set of behaviors. The caretakers at the orphanage regularly bit the children and even occasionally encouraged the kids to hurt each other. But while the other lived in fear of painful punishments, Albert relieved in them, often giving him an erection. When his mother finally became both mentally stable and self-sufficient enough to take him home, in 1880, she removed him from the orphanage, but the damage had already been done. Fish went from the abusive environment of the orphanage to a crowd of neighborhood youths who introduced the nine years old to the practice of drinking urine, as well as coprophagia the consumption of human waste. The poor mother had no idea that in her absence, her child was developing disturbing behaviors. Eventually, his sadomasochistic tendencies led him to an obsession with sexual self-mutilation. He would regularly embed needles into his grown abdomen and flog himself with the nails to the battle. By 1890, 20-years-old Fish had moved to New York. In this part of his life, Fish became increasingly curious about the pain of others. His behavior escalated to rape, sodomy, and then to castration, mostly on male individuals of lower social status, such as African-American males and young homeless boys whom he believed would not be missed, not forgetting that he was prostituting himself around the same time. 
Remarkably, in 1898, Fish married a woman his mother introduced him to and fathered six children with her. By all the counts, Albert was a good loving father. He never abused his kids in any sense of way. He worked long hours to provide for his children, which honestly amazes me. His own children were safe, but no other kid was. In 1910, while working as a house painter in Delaware, Fish met a young mentally handicapped man called Thomas Keaton. Fish and Keaton began a sadomasochistic relationship. Thought it is unknown how much of it Keaton consented to. Once he decided to castrate the man while he was tied up, so he took Thomas to an old farmhouse. He tied him up and proceeded to torture him for two long weeks. Then after cutting half of his man's penis off, Albert later stated and I quote, I shall never forget his scream or the look he gave. Quote, then he cleaned the wound and dressed and left $10 bills for Thomas and left. 1970, Fish was having difficulty concealing the symptoms of severe mental illness, leading his wife to leave him for another man. Fish's self-harm grew thereafter, from pressing more and more needles into his groan, to stuffing wool covered in lighter fluid into his anus, and setting on fire. He began having auditory hallucination as well. At one point, he recalled wrapping himself in a carpet on the instruction of, the, of John the Apostle. Fish began teaching his own children strange and oddly sadomasochist games before developing an obsession with cannibalism as a precursor to consuming human flesh. He began to eat raw meat, meals he often invited his children to share. By 1919, his obsession with torture and cannibalism had brought him to contemplate murder. He began to look for vulnerable children, such as intellectually disabled orphans or homeless black children. As I said before, youths that he assumed would not be missed. He would claim at his trial and in later writings that God was speaking to him, commanding him to torture and consume young children. He scoured an ad in local papers put out by families looking for someone to perform housework or by young men looking for work themselves. It was through one of these ads that he found young Grace Bud. Grace Bud was only 11 years old when she met Albert Fish. Grace wasn't always Albert's fish intended target. It was her older brother that he had set his sights on. Edward Budd was looking for work on a farm or in the country. That's why he put out the ad Fish encountered. Fish originally planned on hiring Edward and bringing him out to his country house to torture him under the false name of Frank Howard. 
fish called on the Bud family in their Manhattan home. He claimed to have some farm work upstate that needed doing, and he was also looking for some help around the house. Edward was inclined to take the job from the unremarkable, gray-faced gentleman, but suddenly Fish's interest shifted. While Edward was mulling over his offer, Fish noticed a young girl standing behind her parents. 12 years old grace this is when fish began to create a disgusting and horrible scheme to capture the young girl while discussing his imaginary farm and imaginary work edward would undertake fish casually mentioned that he was in town to visit his niece and attend her birthday party convinced Delia and Albert Budd to let him take their daughter along to his niece's birthday party, but sadly they never saw her again. Fish took Grace, dressed in Sunday best, to his house upstate, the same one he intended to take her brother to. According to the letter sent to Delia Budd, Along with his confession, Fish hid in an upstairs bedroom, naked, so as not to get blood on his clothing, while Glaze picked wildflowers in the yard, then called her inside. When she screamed at the sight of him, he grabbed her before she could flee. As I quote his gruesome letter, First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take the meat to my rooms, cook and eat it. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. Goat. He then included at the end of the letter how he left her aversion as if that would lighten the terrible acts that he had committed on that young and innocent Grace Bud. It's only through this tragic incident that justice came about for Albert Fish's horrendous act of murder. Fish's letter to the Bud family was just enough evidence to find and capture him. The paper he had written the letter on happened to be a place of stationery from the New York Private Chauffeur's Benevolence Association. Police inquired with the company and found that the paper had been left behind by a janitor from the company a rooming house he'd been staying at. At the same rooming house, a man named Albert Fish was renting a place. Upon learning that Fish bore a strong resemblance to Frank Howard, Grace Bud's kidnapper. The police set up an interview. To their surprise, Fish confessed in an instant, practically tripping over himself, to reveal the precise details of what he'd done to Grace Bud, as well as dozens of other children. But at the end, sadly, only three children 
including Grace, could be concretely proven to be his victims. The Grace Bud murder was by far the most infamous of Fish's crime. But two other murders were linked to him after his arrest, and unsurprisingly, they're just as gruesome. Albert Fish is believed to be responsible for the murder of a four years old boy named Billy Gaffney. Billy had disappeared while playing with the neighbor in Brooklyn on February 12, 1927. That child would later tell the police that the boogeyman took Billy. The three years old boy described the boogeyman as a slender, elderly man with gray hair and gray mustache. At first, cops didn't take the child seriously, but when they searched all over the neighborhood with no clues, they finally realized he had been abducted. He was never seen again, but after Fish's arrest, a mature man on Brooklyn trolley line came forward to identify him as a nervous old man. He saw on the same day Billy had disappeared. Apparently, the old man was trying to quiet a little boy sitting next to him on the trolley, who was crying for his mother. The man then dragged the little boy off the trolley. Fish admitted to the kidnapping and the murder of Billy in sickening details. Although no one was ever able to find Billy's remains, people were able to locate the body of Fish's third confirmed victim relatively quickly. In 1924, a young boy named Francis McDonald vanished while playing with his brother and a group of friends on Staten Island. His body was found in the woods shortly thereafter. He had been strangled by his own suspenders. Shortly before Albert Fish was put to death, he confessed to being the one who lured Francis into the woods later assaulting and strangling him. He admitted that he was ready to dismember the boy, but he thought he heard someone approaching and fled the scene. The trial of Albert Fish began on March 12, 1935, and demonstrated quite clearly that the man was insane. As expected, his defense pleaded innocent by the reason of insanity. Despite numerous psychiatrists involved in the trial supporting the insanity plea, however, the jury found Fish sane enough to found guilty. The trial took 10 days and ended with a verdict that saw Fish executed by electrocution the following year. And on that, I wrap my first episode of Folklore Grandma Time. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate each and one of you. Please stay safe and have a nice day. Thank you.